Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Is your marriage broken? In reality, every person listening to me should have answered yes to that question. Does it have an internal crack that maybe no one can see? Or is the damage so visible that everyone who passes by can't help but see it? No one has a marriage that doesn't have a crack or a fissure that needs attention. Your whole marriage foundation may be crumbling, or you might be pretty healthy with just one or two areas that needs tweaking. Well, here's our question today on Vows to Keep Radio. Do you want to be healed? Do you think your marriage can be fixed Do you want it to be made whole? Our key verse today comes from Jeremiah 17, verse 14. It says, heal me, Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. Do you believe that? October is Pastor Appreciation Month. It's a time to realize what an incredible gift we have in our pastors, to recognize their teaching, their shepherding, and their leadership in our lives. It reminds us to honor their service to our families and communities, If you head to the card section at your local grocery store, you're going to find a whole selection of well-thought-out cards that you could buy for your pastor. You could even include a gift card in there just to say thanks. But what does your pastor really want? How can you best appreciate them? I read an article recently that said, what your pastor really wants is not to hear, great sermon today, or hey, thanks for your sermon. The words that would make their week would go something like this. I heard what you said in your sermon today about building stronger families, and I want that in my own life. I'm going to buy that book you recommended. I'm going to reread those passages from the Bible that you talked on today, and I'm also going to start doing devotions with my kids and my wife, and I'm going to start tonight. Here's another example of a way you can make your pastor's week. What you said during the sermon today about using your gifts for the Lord, it really hit home with me. I've been holding back, and I've not stepped up like I know God is calling me to do. Can I set up a time to meet with you to talk about how my gifts could best be used in the church? Let me tell you, those words would be music to your pastor's ears. Your pastor doesn't spend weeks studying and preparing his sermon just to tickle your ears on a Sunday morning. I think it's a tragedy to come to church, hear truth from scripture, and then go home exactly the same as when we came. Your pastor wants to know that God's word is being planted in the soft soil of a humble and repentant heart a heart that's open to growing and changing into the image of God. God experienced a congregation, so to speak, that is so similar to how many people attend church in this day and age. His congregation was the nation of Israel. Now, they have a very long and sordid history. In the Old Testament, we can look back and forth how they would vacillate between drawing near to God and obedience and worship to completely forgetting him and even worshiping other gods. No one could convince them that they would ever be made whole and right if they just cling to their first love. Not even God himself could convince them, it seems. They had to choose, just like you and I have to choose whether we want God or not, whether or not we want his truth to set us free, whether or not we believe that he is the only answer to the brokenness in our marriage. Is your marriage broken? Do you keep coming to God to be healed and yet you walk away not whole? If so, I think we have to ask if we're truly coming to him or just giving him lip service on the outside, checking those boxes, yet do we truly want to be made whole? Do we hear God's word taught at our local church, 
maybe even reading God's word on a regular basis, yet deep down, we're not truly believing that Jesus is our answer. We don't truly believe that our marriage can be set free and can be saved. In effect, we're doing what Israel did. We pay lip service to God. They knew from experience and from those that had gone before them how great and how mighty and how forgiving the loving Lord was. Yet in their hearts, what matters most, they chose to remain broken. They chose to ignore God and his ways. Isaiah 29, 13. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Wow. That verse makes me question my own heart. Am I just paying lip service to God? Will I answer the invitation from God to be made whole or will I just stay in my mess or try to fix myself? In the New Testament as well, I hear a warning. I hear a challenge from 2 Timothy 3, 7. Let me read it to you. It says, these people were always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That's a scary place to be. How is that possible? Can a person truly have the answer right in front of them and then turn away from it? Can a person have the truth handed to them on a silver platter and not recognize it for what it is? I think it's possible because I know it is true from personal experience. I have a bachelor's degree, but even though I graduated with a fairly high grade point average, I do not feel like I could truly succeed in the field in which I studied, which by the way, is not radio, thankfully. Why do I feel like I couldn't be a success in that field? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I am a very good test taker. I can study a subject and regurgitate it onto an exam with flying colors, but in the real world, I hardly remember a single fact. That leads into the number two reason. During college, I had little opportunity to put into practice what I had learned, and the few opportunities I did have, I squandered. I just tried to get through them. My goal was graduation, and I achieved that, but to what end? A high student loan bill and a picture of me in my graduation cap and gown, shrugging my shoulders. Five years of my life, gone. I was the person spoken of in 2 Timothy 3. I was always learning, but never really knowing. I was well-trained, only to flop on my face in failure. I was the person in Isaiah 29, paying lip service to get a good grade, but my heart was far from what I was studying. And sometimes I can treat God's word that way too. I can hear great sermons from my pastor, yet walk away not having let any of it touch my heart. I can sit down with my Bible and read the verses just because I know it's the right thing to do, but not let them reach down to the inside of me to where it really matters. We can be like the man described in James 1. He looks in the mirror, he walks away, and he immediately forgets what he looks like. This verse is saying that we should look intently into the perfect law of liberty. That's the Bible. And then we have to be doers of that word, not just hearers only. Now, if Tracy had practiced this in college, and I'm really not that different, I think we all would have retained a lot more of that information that was taught to us. If you want that blessing, that wholeness, that health in your marriage that's described in the Bible, if you want to not forget what you've read in the truth of Scripture, you have to put it into action. You have to put it into practice in your life. You have to apply it. But before all that, you have to want it. You have to put your faith in God's ability to heal you and make your marriage whole. We all have things in our marriage that are broken. It could be that general daily communication. It could be your intimacy. It could be the way that we parent or the way we disagree about how we parent or how we make decisions. 
Your brokenness could be pornography or lust or simply the misprioritization of your life. So here's where all this hinges. Do you want those areas, all that stuff that's broken, all those things that are dysfunctional in your life to be healed? Do you want your marriage to be whole? If you would have asked me a few years ago if I felt the general public consensus would be a resounding yes to that question, do you want your marriage to be healed? I would have agreed. But after many interactions with couples who come to Vows to Keep or listen to our broadcasts or those that come to our conferences, I would have to give you a different answer now. It shocked me when I came to the realization that not everyone would choose healing. Not everyone would say yes to wholeness in their marriage if they were told it was possible. Imagine for a moment that you're driving down a country road and you come across a horrific accident. You pull over and you see this rollover accident has tossed the driver out of his car. His wife is hanging upside down by her seatbelt and the car is on fire. You reach for your phone to call 911 as you rush toward the scene. From a distance, you can clearly see the wife needs to get out of this car as soon as possible. She's going to get burned. The husband is bleeding badly from his head and his leg looks broken. When you reach the wife, you hear her shouts of panic. As you reach to unbuckle her, she changes her tone. Oh, she's doing just fine. She pushes away your hand and completely refuses to let you unbuckle her. She would rather stay in the comfort of her car. So you run over to the husband and find that he too thinks the situation is hopeless, but he would rather that you not take him to the doctor. He tells you he's got band-aids at home and following your advice to lie still just doesn't seem to make sense right now. It doesn't take long and the ambulances and sirens can be heard. The car is even more engulfed in flames at this point, but you see the wife on her Facebook app sharing her peril with all of her friends. You stand there in disbelief as the husband hitches himself up and is trying to pull himself down the road with a broken leg. You see, this is what some of us do in our marriages. Inside, we know the situation is bleak. There's little hope of our own rescue. There might even be people around us with capable hands to get us help. They want to call in the EMT, so to speak. But we stay in our hopeless situation rather than listen to the wisdom and truth the scriptures have. Rather, we let our marriages go up in smoke. We continue to bleed. We turn away the help that is offered. Sometimes, we're even willing to give the lip service that we would like help. But when someone is there simply asking for us to take one step in the right direction, we aren't willing to try. These marriage scenarios are real. There's people who just don't want help. You're listening to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Vows to Keep wants to help. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at vowstokeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin David and Tracy Sellers with the remainder of today's broadcast. This still boggles my mind, so I have to ask, why doesn't everyone seek to be made well? Why would someone not want to be better? Why would they not turn to the answer, Jesus Christ? I think there are a few reasons, and I think we can see some of them when we look at the story of the crippled man in John chapter 5. This story starts the man who has been sick and lame for 38 years. Now, every day someone carries him to places mat and him near this pool at Bethesda, a place that has the legend of healing powers. This man sat just feet away from what he perceived as the source of healing. Now, as we read this story from John 5, we see that Jesus enters the scene. 
the scene of numerous people just like this man who came for the very same reason. They were all holding out hope that their problems would be cured by this famed pool. The Bible shows Jesus zeroing in on this one man. Now remember, we serve a God who knows our every thought. Every day of our lives was written down before one of them comes into existence. So Jesus, knowing full well how long the man had been sick, knowing how long he had been wanting to get well, asks him what most would think was a really redundant, obvious question. Do you want to get well? I am 38 years old. This guy has been sick for 38 years. That's my entire life. If I had been sick that long, I would shout from the rooftops, yes, but this man does something quite unexpected for a guy in his condition. He makes excuses. He even begins to whine. He's like, I can't do it. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, maybe he didn't know who Jesus was. Maybe he hadn't heard of how Jesus could help him. Maybe he didn't know the source of healing was actually standing above him. Maybe he would have answered differently if he did, but instead he has these excuses at the ready. Even so, at Jesus' command, the man jumps up and he walks. Now, 38 years is equal to 13,870 days. If this man had sat by the pool for almost 14,000 days, imagine the number of people who had passed by him during this time. It could be upwards of 100,000, maybe more. He could have asked any one of those people to help get him to the pool, and maybe he even did. But at this point, it's pretty clear he's just given up. He'd probably resigned himself to being sick and broken his whole life. Somewhere, though, he must have had a sliver of hope to keep returning there day after day. So how about you? Do you hold out hope for your marriage? Have you sought out counselors, advisors, even pastors to help you to the healing pool? If they're godly and giving godly biblical advice, they can point the way, but they can't get you there. They aren't your source for healing, just like the pool wasn't the source for this crippled man. Only Jesus is. Only Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now about two people in the Bible who fully believe that. Turn, if you can, to Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 41. There was a man named Jairus, and his daughter was dying. She was only 12 years old. And he came and he saw out Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him and to heal his daughter. And as he went with him, someone else came through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. It was a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She could find no cure. In fact, she had spent all of her money going to many doctors, trying to find someone who could help her with a solution to her problem. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately she was healed. By the time Jesus got to Jairus' house, his daughter had died, but Jesus raised her back to life. The result of these people's faith in Jesus was wholeness and healing, the promise of a future full of life now that Jesus had changed their circumstances. Jesus heals in response to faith. These people were in essence saying, heal me and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. Like we read earlier from Jeremiah seventeen fourteen, they placed everything on the line to reach out to the one they knew could help them. They wanted healing. They sought after it. They didn't put their faith in idols. They didn't offer sacrifices to false gods. Deep down in their hearts, they believed that Jesus was the son of God. They believed he was who he said he was and they pursued him. They sought him out. If that's you, remember that God wants to be found by you. He doesn't hide himself. 
He thankfully doesn't play cat and mouse with us. He says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. So we have to keep hoping. We have to keep asking. We have to have the knowledge that he will make you whole. It's not by magic. It's not by happenstance, but in believing in him, putting your full faith and confidence in him, and then being that doer of his word and not just someone who's a hearer only. Make your pastor proud. What does it take for a marriage to become whole? Like we said, you have to want it. You have to choose to believe that God is the only answer. You have to be humble enough to bring all those broken pieces to him. And I do mean all of them because if it's not all, the healing isn't going to be complete. You're going to be compromised. It's like having a vessel that's been glued back together, but with one missing piece in the bottom of the jug. It's not going to hold water because it has not been made completely whole. You have to be humble enough to bring every single broken bit to him. All the anger, all the emotions of depression, all the hurt, all the unforgiveness, the lust, the accusations, the unbelief, the ugliness of the hidden places of your heart. Whether you can relate with the crippled man at the pool whom Jesus comes to, or if you are reaching out to him, know today that he not only knows your need, he's waiting for the opportunity to respond. He longs to reach out to you and connect with you. And he does. He makes himself and his truth available to you. Just like he did with Israel, he gave them the gift of himself. And yet we see that they turn their backs. They put their trust in man. They put their trust in false gods. They put their trust in the wisdom of humanity around them. We can read that they saw firsthand the power of God. They received personal words and instruction from him. They experienced personally his provisions. And yet we see repeatedly that they choose at times not to believe him. We read about God's heart for us in Isaiah chapter 30. Israel was once again trying to figure out life without God. They thought Pharaoh was the answer this time. They made plans contrary to God's will for them and their sins were piling up. That sounds like our lives sometimes, doesn't it? God warns them that they will have consequences to pay, that trusting in anything other than him would cause them heartache. I've been there. I've been the one to know the truth to know that God is my answer. And then in the very next second, I turn to what looks like the latest hot answer of the moment. I try another tactic to make it work on my own. I've been the one to treat a lie like it's the truth. I've been the one to put my trust in man and that equals idolatry. I've been just like Israel. Maybe you have too. But in the verses that follow what I just talked about where Israel was at, God gives a sweet yet a powerful invitation Listen as I read from Isaiah chapter 30. It says in Isaiah 30, verse 15, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him, verse 18 says, so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious to you if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. He will still be with you to teach you and you will see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then you will destroy all of your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. And when you and I throw out the idols of our hearts that we once thought would save us, 
whether it be your own devices, divorce, man's wisdom, the voice of your well-meaning friend, the article you read in a secular magazine, whatever your idol is, when you throw that out, God's promises to you are abundant. He promises that you will have a plentiful harvest. He promises healing. Now, no one can convince you the answer is right there in front of you. Just like no one, not even God, could convince Israel. You have to open your eyes. You have to move toward God in your heart. You have to throw away these idols to see the beginning of healing, the start of that blessing. We have a very sweet, stray Maine Coon cat that came to live with us a few years ago. She is a sweet, lovable fluff ball. She is very loyal to our family, and she has been a joy to have around. She loves to sit on my lap with her feet on my chest, nose to nose with me, and be petted. But my husband brought home a new kitten a few months ago, and she just can't seem to reconcile herself to this new situation. She is very jealous and slightly terrorized by this new kitten. She's never been known to resist the opportunity to be petted or even just to sit next to you. She loves people. But now she may or may not come when she's called. And if she decides to come, she'll get about three feet away and she'll stop. She refuses to come the rest of the way and sit on my lap. I have to go to her. And then many times she doesn't even want that. She just sulks and stays away from the house most of the day. Yes, this is a cat analogy, but it recently became relevant in my personal life. Someone had reached out to me asking me to help them in their marriage and in their personal walk with the Lord. I responded and I worked diligently to make it happen. But in the end, this person didn't really want to be helped. They didn't want to go the last three feet of a very long journey to wholeness. I'm not saying that I was the answer to what they were going through, but I was anxious to point them to the answer, Jesus. But when it came down to it, they didn't want that. They didn't want to be made whole. Just like my cat, they didn't want to receive the comfort and love that was right there in front of them. Just like the man at the pool, it's easy to give up and let hope after hope just pass us by, to not reach out to Jesus and all the health and wholeness He alone can offer. That's why instead, we have to be like Jairus, who comes to Jesus knowing that he can make his daughter whole. We have to be like that woman with the issue of the blood, pursuant of God and the wholeness that he offers. Be careful not to listen to the lie that it's easier to remain where you are. And it's so tempting. We get comfortable with that. Be careful to not have excuses on the tip of your tongue like that man at the pool. Ask yourself if you actually want to be healed. Now, it may come at a cost to you if you say yes. Your healing may take you out of your comfort zone even if your comfort zone is the mess you've been living in for so long. Your wholeness may not feel normal at first if you've been living in a state of brokenness for a while. You may not appreciate the responsibility that comes walking that path that God has for you. But none of these perceived costs compare with the cost of remaining in your broken state. Will you lay the burden of your alleged comfort, of your brokenness, at the feet of Jesus Will you leave your idols behind and push through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment? Will you bring the leftover bits and pieces of your marriage and lay them before the master surgeon to put them back together, to be healed? In Psalms 147, verse 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. With your whole heart, pray these words today. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. You've been listening to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. 
vows to keep offers Christ-centered marriage resources for couples wishing to prepare, enrich, and renew their marriages. These resources include weekend retreats, conferences, date nights, and radio broadcasts across Ohio. Your financial gift will allow Vows to Keep to continue to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages. Please prayerfully consider making a donation to help serve future couples. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or to find out more about Vows to Keep, visit our website at VowsToKeep.com.